topic. Amen. Uh, last month we was, was talking about the waterway. And hopefully uh, you understand the value and the importance of baptism. Amen. And the waterway, you know, when you look at so many waterways, they are, you know, you got all those straits that ships pass through and everything, you know. And so as Brother DeMuth was talking last month about the waterway, I couldn't stop help thinking about all the golfs and all the water and everything and the value and the importance of those waterways and how many ships pass through those waterways and you know it's amazing how God has made it that baptism death now save us <clears throat> not putting away Paul says uh, Peter says the fifth of the flesh but it's an answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ amen <clears throat> so it was a good lesson so hopefully you uh you know, went back and checked your notes, and, and as we move along this pathway that God has taken us down uh, this year, we we will uh, learn more and more. So this month we're going to be talking about, you know, pa- <coughs> excuse me, practical religion. James chapter one, <clears throat> verse twenty six and twenty seven. James says, if any man among you seems to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is in, is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Amen. Keep himself unspotted from the world. And now you can... Look at that, and you can see once we become born again of the water and the spirit, you understand that God calls for us to come out from among them and be separate. Amen. We have to begin to look at our lives as a representative of Jesus Christ. Holiness means to be separated. It means to be set apart unto God. We separate from the world and set ourselves apart unto God. In other words, I want to be used by God. I want to please God. As our our purpose of this church is that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Merriam Webster defines practical as relating to or manifest in practice or action. The object of the Apostle James is to describe what it enters essentially into religion and what it will do when it is properly developed. The phrase pure religion means that which is genuine and sincere or which is free from any improper mixture, that which God sees to be pure and undefiled. The one and only way of making holy impressions permanent is by translating them into Christian living. Catch that. Amen. Catch that. That which God sees to be pure and undefiled. The one and only way to make holy impressions permanent is to put it into action. You've got to put it in your life. You've got to live it. Christianity is not a word. It is an action. You have to live to be a Christian. Your life must be a reflection of who you say you are. We are believers and followers of Jesus Christ. Therefore, my life, my actions, my conduct should be a reflection of who I say that I am. 
Amen. And so therefore, as Peter writing in 1 Peter 2, 9, he says, but you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him which has called you out of darkness unto his marvelous light. So therefore, we must be a reflection. Our lives must be a reflection of what true religion and Christianity is. In today's world, you know, you got so many people say they're Christians. You got so many people say they're born again. You got so many people say they're religious and everything. But their conduct and their actions is totally contrary to what they say they are. And so therefore, you and I, if we say that we are Christians, then our lives must be a reflection of what we say we are. It is not enough to see ourselves reflected in the mirror of God's word. We must so continue, not as hearers who forget, but doers that perform. So during this lesson, we're going to look at the practical religion through the book of James. Amen. And sometimes people look at James's writing versus some of the others, and they say there's a contradiction. But no, there is no contradiction in the scripture. The Bible tells us that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for corrections and instructions in righteousness, that the man of God shall be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Peter tells us in Second Peter 1, 20 and 21, he said, This know also that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation, but holy man of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So sometimes James seems to say you need to put works with it. And Peter and Paul on this other side uh, says we're not saved by works. And we're not saved by works. We're saved by our actions. You know, like some people says baptism is a work. Baptism is not a work. Baptism is an action of your faith in Jesus Christ. You see what you need to do and you do it. Amen. That's why James tells us in James 1, he says, don't just be a hearer of God's word. You've got to be a doer of God's word. Amen. If you're going to change, if your life is going to change, you're going to have to do what you're being asked to do. So the marks of true religions in chapter 1 uh, there, James began in verse 2 and 4. He says, my brethren, count it all joy. When you fall into diverse temptation. Amen. So how do we have joy and patience in our trials? Amen. Usually the things that you find most people suffering and, and struggling with trials is, is that most people don't wake up in the morning and says, Oh, I think I'll just have some trials today. <laughs> It, it doesn't work that way, you know. But when you become a Christian and you start studying the Word of God, you know that some things are going to come against you. One of the things I hear people say a lot is, is that we are in a spiritual war. Well, war, people get hurt. People get killed. You know, you've got to go out and take out your enemy or he's going to take you out. You've got to prepare yourself. If you're in a war, that means you have to prepare yourself for war. You have to study your enemy. 
as I tell men and women all the time, the enemy only got three weapons, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, and he's going to use them against you all the time. All of his demonic force has the same three items, and he's going to use it every day some way to come against you. So we have to prepare and get ready for war. We, we need to have a prayer life. We need to have a study life. We've got to get this thing in us to, and prepare ourselves. When Paul tells us to put on the whole armor of God, we have to put on the whole armor of God. You've got to study to show yourselves approved unto God. You've got to be workmen. Your good works. Amen. You've got to get some works in action. In Matthew seven twelve, we know that that scripture refers to the what? The golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. So putting practical religions in, in the place, that's all you got to remember. Is I treat other people the same way I want to be treated. And so with that, you begin to do good works to everybody you come in contact with. Paul, right into the church at Philippi, in the second chapter, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant. Amen. And so, therefore, we got to serve others. Most people don't want to serve. You know, Everybody wants everybody else to serve them. You go to the restaurant and your stuff don't come out right, you get mad at the server. It ain't the server's fault. Yeah. You know, they just take the order and take it into the kitchen. We don't go jump on the cook. We jump on the server. Think about it. So practical religion must be religion that is put in to action. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 through 46, Jesus says, When the Son of Man is come into his kingdom, and all, into his glory, and all his holy angels with him set upon the throne of his glory, and then all nations shall be brought to him, and he's going to vie them, you know, as a shepherd does his sheep, and he's going to put the sheep on the right and the goats on the left, right? And he's going to say to those on the right, what? Come inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you from the foundations of the earth. And then he goes on and he says, for I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. Naked, you clothed me. I was in prison and you visited me. You came unto me, you know. And, and, and I was sick and you visited me. He goes on. And then the righteous is going to say, when did we do all these things? He says, when you've done it unto the least of these, my brother, and you've done it unto me. See, so to be a, or be, have religion, true practical religion, Jesus is showing us what we need to do. See, we've got to have some action. We've got to have some good works attached to our faith. 
If I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, then I am commissioned to go, what? Preach the gospel to every creature. It's more than just words. Yes, the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but my life must be a reflection of that gospel. Say, to share with others, to visit others, to tell them about the Lord, the one that can help them. So if I'm going to, James says here that he talks about joy and patience during my trials or during my tribulations that I'm going to go through. I know I'm going to go through some things in my life. It's a given to be a Christian. Blessed are you, Peter says, when men shall persecute you and revile you and say all matter, Jesus, excuse me, against you falsely for my name's sake. He says, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for so they prosecute or persecuted the prophets which was before you. You're not going to escape it. So you need to get ready. See, you have to prepare. You've got to realize some things are going to come against you. And so when they come, if you haven't prepared, that's why we, that's why we struggle so much with so many things, is we don't prepare. Get up and get ready for it. You know, it, it, it's, it's going to happen. When it's going to happen, I don't know. But we have to be prepared for it. The Bible tells us that Job, what? He got up every morning and he sacrificed for his children and for his family. He says, maybe my kids have sinned against God. And so and as a result, when his trials hit, he was ready. He said, the things with the Job 3, 25, 26, he said, the things which I greatly feared has come upon me. He says, I was not in safety. I had not rest, and yet trouble came. When you read Job, you see Job says that, you know, troubles just don't come up out of the earth. They don't just jump about the dust. You know, troubles are going to come usually from us. You know, you know, you're the old saying, we've met the enemy and he's us. See, so I have to prepare for these trials that I know is going to come. So Peter also tells us in 1 Peter 4, 12 through 15, he says, Think it not strange concerning the fire trials, which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened unto you. He says, but rejoice in that you are being much as you partake of Christ's suffering, that when the glory shall be revealed, you shall be glory, glad with also exceeding joy. So to maintain my joy and my patience in my trials, i got to prepare. I've got to build myself up on my whole, most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, being ready. That when it hits me, I still rejoice. I still get excited. I was told that John Patton used to make all of his officers take a cold shower all the time. You know? And he says the reason he did it was so if they got shot in war, they would not go into immediately shock. Because most people die if they get shot. 
shot, excuse me, in war, they go into panic. Uh, and so he would make them take a cold shower so when that cold water would hit them, they would get used to it, you know, and they wouldn't go into shock. So if they got shot in combat, it, they wouldn't immediately go into shock because they would be used to quick pain and hit, you know. And so he did those things to, to help them. And a lot of them survived on, on the battlefield because they didn't go into shock. Most people die, they go into shock. Yeah. So we have to prepare ourselves so when these trials that we're not looking for, situations we're not looking for hit us, we don't go into shock. You know, that's the, that's the same thing like with death. You know, reason most people go into shock doing death and, and hurt is, yes, we, we lose our loved one, but most people don't prepare for it. They don't talk about it. Say, we need to prepare. We know it's coming, you know, and none of us know when. The Bible tells us that. So we need to be ready so that we can joy and have joy in our tribulations. If my loved ones is going to be with the Lord, I should be rejoicing. Yeah, I will miss them, but yes, I should be rejoicing. You know, man, they beat me there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so we got to, we don't lose your joy. The joy of the Lord is always my strength. And so Jesus even tells us, He says, "In your patience, possess you your soul." See, I have to learn how to wait. There's nothing I'm going to go through in my life that God doesn't know. There's nothing I'm going to get hit with that he doesn't already know what is coming down the pipeline. So as a Christian, I still have to keep my motivation and my life in check so that I reflect him no matter what I'm going through in my life. See, to be that true cross bearer, I've got to have compassion. I've got to be moved with compassion. Amen. Every time I see a hurting person or someone that is in need, Jesus saw the multitude. He was moved with compassion. We have to be able to resist temptations and things that comes against us. Jesus says, if someone smack you on the right cheek, he says, turn to them the left cheek. If they bid you to go a mile, go too. If they ask you for your coat, give them your coat. I mean, cloak, give them your coat as well. See? So we have to learn how to have joy in this life. It's joy unspeakable, Peter said. It is full of glory, and the half hasn't been told. So to be put my religion in the practice and actions, I've got to start doing things. If all I do is just sit back and wait, then guess what? The enemy is going to take me out. One by one, one by one, one by one. That's what he does. And so I've got to make sure that I count it all joy. Doesn't make sense, does it, when I fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of my faith will work patience. Man, Paul writing to the church of Rome in the fifth chapter, he says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, not only so, but what? We have access 
we have access by faith into the grace wherein we stand and we what? Rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, he says, we what? Glory in tribulations. Also, knowing that tribulations work patience, patience experience, experience hope, and hope make us not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. This power that you have inside of you called the Holy Ghost is supposed to make you spit and sputter, (laughs) you know, jump and shout, you know, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and keep going. If ever been a man that displayed true religion, look at Paul. From the time he was converted to Christianity, to the truth, he never looked back. He kept pressing forward. He knew there was something greater waiting for him. And that's why all Paul's epistles and letters is nothing but instructions and encouragement and directions for the body of Christ to follow him as he followed Christ. He knew that God had already set a pattern. God had already set things in order. Amen. And so no matter what come his way or what came down the pipeline, he was still going to continue to press on. That's why in the second Corinthians 11, he says, of the Jews, five times received thy forty stripes, save one. Three times was I beaten with rods. I was stoned. I was, you know, shipwrecked. A day and a night I've been in the deep and journeying often in trials and pain and suffering. He goes to, he lists all this stuff that he went through. But what did he say? None of it moved me. Why? Because he knew He had a mission. He knew he had to preach the gospel. He knew, amen, that as long as somebody would get saved and hear, amen, he was going to have joy. And so he had to learn how to have patience in his trials. That's the key thing is you've got to learn how to have joy and patience no matter what you're going through. Wait upon the Lord. How many times we hear that? And be of good courage, and he will strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. So notice, if we have access into the grace of God, then nothing should stop us from boasting. Look at Paul's letter to the church of Rome, you know, in the 8th chapter. You know, he goes on at the end, he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulations, distress, persecution, Famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? He says, no. He says, for thy sake, we're killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep to the slaughter. He says, nay, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him that love us. For I am persuaded neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. So the marks of true religion is to have joy and patience in our trials. Keep your head up. That's what the enemy wants, is he wants you to walk down dejected. He wants you to walk down, walk around, you know, feeling like there's no hope. 
Hope that is seen, the Bible tells us what? It ain't hope. He says, but if you see that not which you hope for, then do you would patiently wait for it. Solomon says in Proverbs 13, 12, he says, hope deferred make the heart sick. He says, but when it comes, it is a tree of life. Tree of life in the garden, tree of life in heaven. Jesus is the tree of life. Yeah. How close are you to the tree of life? Amen. So we've got to realize that we have to prepare ourselves for the things that are going to come against us. James goes on in verse 5 through 8 in his unwavering faith and singleness of mind here. Amen. Verse 5, James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any of you like wisdom... Let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally and unbraideth it not, and it shall what? It shall be given. You know, last month we talked about all month on Wednesday night about wisdom. So wisdom, everybody should have a canteen bucket load of wisdom. Everybody should be smart. <laughs> everybody should know how to make right choices and right decisions, you know. Discretion, all that stuff should be in. He says, if, if you don't have it, he says, ask God. He says, he'd give it to you liberally. It's free. Don't cost you a thing. You know, we, we realized in our study last Wednesdays that, you know, God gives us knowledge so that we learn knowledge and then we get wisdom. We get understanding so we can apply it to our lives. Okay. He goes on, he says, but, <clears throat> Excuse me. But let him ask in faith, not wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Amen. So we've got to be stable. You can't be on a roller coaster. Some Christians, I'm telling you, they're up this moment, they're down the next moment. They're up this moment, they're down the next moment. That's not of God. That is not practical religion. To be up and down, up and down, up and down. To be dejected, to, to be downtrodden. That's, that's not God. None of that stuff came with the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells you in Hebrews 6, Beloved, I am persuaded of better things of you. Things that accompany salvation, though we have speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown unto his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire every one of you to show the same diligence unto the hope unto the end. Because when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. And so after he patiently endured, he received the promise. You can't be up and down. You can't be up and down. You can't be up and down. You've got to be steadfast, unmovable. Paul says, you know, in Galatians 5, he says, stand fast in the liberty wherein Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yokes of bondage. 
Don't go back to the world. Don't keep letting the world pull you because if you do, the weight, you're going to be like that. You're going to be up and down. And notice what he says, the waves of the sea. That's how you're going to be. And, you know, if you've ever been out to the sea, you get on a ship like that, you know what's going to happen? I'll be barfing all the time. You know, your life is going to be a mess. You're going to be walking around going, oh, oh, oh. You know, you've got to be stabled. The Holy Ghost is power. You are to build your life on the rock. Amen. That's what Jesus has said in Matthew 7. He that hear my word and do it shall be like a man that build his house upon the rock. The wind blew, the waves came, and the rain descended, and it beat upon that house. And what happened? It did not fall because it was built upon the rock. See? But if you build upon the sand, that's what's going to happen. If you've got a shallow foundation for your life, then if you don't study the Word of God, if you don't apply your life to live this, you're going to have a shallow life, and every time a trial comes, every time a circumstance comes, you're going to fly off the handle, or you're going to go into depression, you're going to build into anxiety, and as a result, the enemy is just going to beat you to death. As Peter, the Lord told Peter in Luke 22, 21 and 22, he says, Simon, I meant 32, Luke 21, 31 and 32, he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you like wheat. He says, but I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you're converted, he says, you strengthen the brethren. What Jesus is saying here to Peter is he reaches back and he gets an old farming situation. See, wheat, they used to take these sharp sickles and they would go out and they would cut it down. Then they'd bundle it up and then they'd get around some something solid or some rocks and they'd beat it out, beat the wheat out of the chaff. And the wheat would fall into the sheets or whatever down on the ground, little baskets they had. And then because some of the chaff would still fall into it, they would take it and they would throw it up in the air and let the wind blow the rest of the chaff out of it. And then to make bread, they would have like these mortar, you know, the, the kind of like wood or either something solid and they just grind it. They put it in the powder in order to make bread. So this is what, so you can see the pain that that wheat is going through, you know, just to make bread. And, you know, Scripture tells us bread, bread, you know, um, oh, my goodness. It's bread, bread crumbs, what is it? Bread something is, is bruised, okay? I'll find the Scripture in a minute. It'll come to me in a minute. Bread corn. Bread corn is bruised. Amen. And so it goes through a lot. And that's what Jesus was saying Peter. He says, Simon, Satan wants to have you. He wants to cut you down. He wants to beat you up. He wants to grind you to powder. He says, but I prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you are converted, when you get the Holy Ghost, amen, when you get the fullness of the revelation of the truth, you strengthen others. 
with the same message. Amen. So we don't want to be wavering. Be solid. Be solid. Be steadfast. Be immovable. Be committed. See, we've got to have commitment. If we're going to keep joy in our hearts, if we're going to keep the patience, we've got to be committed to no matter what comes against us. That's why Job says, he knows the way that I take, and when I'm tried, I shall come forth like gold. Amen. He says, there's hope of a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again. He says, though the roots wax all in the earth, and though the stuff be dead in the ground. He says, yet through the center water, it will bud and bring forth paws like a plant. You can get up. Amen. You don't have to sit there in a repressive state. Amen. As a Christian, your religion should automatically, knowing that the Holy Ghost is in you, knowing that Almighty God is with you, knowing that He's promised you, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I will be as close to you as the mention of my name, and then call upon me in the time of trouble, and I will hear you and deliver you, and you will glorify my name. I've got to do those things. I can't sit there in a depressive state. I can't sit there in a dejected state. Amen. I've got to keep my joy and rejoicing intact. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Think about it. So pure practical religion is to have the joy of the Lord while we labor, while we're being rejected, while we're going through things. Jude tell us what? But you beloved, build up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for and hasten for the soul coming of the Lord unto eternal life. I can't let anything steal my crown. <laughs> That's what Jesus is saying. Don't let nothing steal your crown. Amen. Because if the enemy can pull you back away, he knows you're not going to get a crown. So don't waver. If you don't know what you're going through, you've got a situation, yeah, my goodness, where did this come from? And you don't have the wisdom how to deal with it? What do you do? He says, ask God. He says, he'll give you the answer what you need to do. He'll tell you. That's why when you go back and you look at some of the old scriptures, you know, they pray and they ask God, God, you know, when David lost everything, when you look at Second Samuel, you know, there, in, I think it's chapter 30, you see when he came back to Ziglag, his house is burnt down, his family's all gone, his soldiers are crying, everybody is going crazy. His man is talking about stoning him and killing him. David's crying. He don't know where his family is as well, but they don't care about that. My stuff is missing. Yeah. But what did David do? He went to the Lord. And he says, God, 
Shall I pursue? God says, pursue, and you shall overtake it all. He went to God. How do I deal with this situation? Am I wasting my time? Or do I keep pursuing? And God says, pursue. So he pursued, and he overtook everything. He got it all back. See? So in our trials and our situations, don't waver up and down. Just trust God. Wait upon the Lord. Be of good courage, and he'll strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. The word of God has to be a part of you. You've got to to learn how to deal with these things. Amen. We have to learn how to expect some things that are going to come and to our lives. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 10 through 16. Paul tells Timothy, he says, you have fully known my manner of life. He says, you know my persecution. He says, you've known all the things I've gone through. And then he drops a bombshell. He says, all they that will live in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Second Timothy 3. Yeah, Second Timothy chapter 3. Start verse 10. But thou hast fully known my doctrine. You know my manner of life. You know my purpose. You know my faith. You know my long suffering. You know my love. You know my patience. You know my persecutions, afflictions, which came up to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. What persecutions I endure, but out of them all, who delivered him? The Lord delivered him out of all of them. Amen. God is with you. He'll deliver you. If you read Psalms 91, what does it say? He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall what? Bide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord that he is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom he will, I will trust. Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the northern pestilence. He will cover me with his feathers and under his wing I shall trust. His truth shall be my shield and my buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the earth to fly by day, nor the pestilent walk in dark, nor destruction or waste at noonday. A thousand fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, and it's not going to come nigh you. See, a little trial is good for you. See, what happens is we look at the affliction without saying, what is God doing? If I look at Job's life and I see that the, I'm, I'm going to come back to that in a second. If, if, if I look at Job's life and God asks Satan, hey, uh, you consider my servant Job that is none like him and all the earth, you know, and all he goes through, he's still worshiping God. It teaches me that no matter what I go through, I worship God. It's a mind thing. That's why the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Say, 
I got to get the mind of Christ to work in here. Don't don't regress. Just rejoice. So that you keep your joy. You keep your patience. Say because you know that it is only for a moment. The Bible tells you that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered them out of them all. So Paul is telling us, he says, Timothy, you know everything that I went through, all my persecutions, all my afflictions. He says, but God delivered me out of them all. And we see that. We see that in Scripture. That's why Paul's testimonies of all the beatings and everything he went through and how God delivered him. And so, therefore, we have to realize these things. He said, yeah, verse 12, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Who did he learn them from? He learned from his mom, his grandmother. <laughs> they says from a child you have known the holy scriptures which is able to make you wise into salvation his mother and his grandmother taught him he has some good godly parents so we have to teach these things to our children so that they understand that the same God is for us is the same God is going to be for them are they going to go through some trials? Yeah. But if they have to hold on, you train up a child in the way he should go, and he's old, he won't depart from it. You know, some people say, well, why does my kid do this? Why does he makes that choice? But you, beloved, keep yourself and the love of God. All scripture is for inspiration and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof and corrections and righteousness. If you go to Hebrews chapter number 12, oh my, Hebrews 12. The writer tells us, he says, Seeing therefore we have a compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sins which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We're in a race. We're going to the finish line. We're going to heaven. So I've got to have patience here. I don't get ahead of God. I prepare myself. I take everything to Jesus that I cannot have figured out. And so he says, that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
For consider him that endures such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest you be weary and faint in your mind. In other words, consider Jesus, what he went through. You're not better so that you don't faint, don't you, so you don't quit. You're going to go through some things. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. You're not solid. If you keep giving up, if you keep, oh, woe is me, you are not complete. You need to get established and stabled. You don't want to miss the glory land. <laughs> Amen. It's going to be better. We'll understand it better by and by. So he goes on and says, consider Jesus. All he went through. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speak to you as children. Have you forgot God's exhortation? Here it comes. My son, despising not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scorneth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God deal with you as with sons. For whose, what son is in, is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereas you are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. You are legitimate. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrupted us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirit and live? For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, but he for our own profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemed to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards, here it comes. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, Lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men in holiness, for without should no men see the Lord. Lift up your hands. Straighten your knees up. <laughs> Stand tall. Amen. You're a soldier in the Lord's army. As they used to tell us, don't be slouching. Stand up. Sit upright. Because <laughs> you represent him. Practical religion is getting in action. It's putting it into action. What we say we are. Amen. we got to be ready for the things that is going to come against us. we got to have a solid prayer life. Amen. Don't lay there. Be at every prayer meeting. Be at every worship service. Read your Bible. Study. Amen. Encourage others when they're going through things. You be the encourager. Amen. Be ready to get involved. Put it into action. Amen. And we're going to see what God is going to do. Amen. Praise God. Let's take a small break this morning.